the views and opinions expressed on this podcast solely of those of the people appearing on the podcast and do not reflect the views of the Carolinas GCSA or the show sponsors. You are listening to Pullin' Weeds, the official podcast of the Carolinas Golf Course Superintendents Association. Brought to you by Simplot, a forward-thinking company committed to bringing next-level innovation and solutions to turf managers from coast to coast. Here are your hosts, Alan Knight and Tim Krieger. We've got a special treat here today. Uh, Campbell Cox and I are at Northridge Country Club in Raleigh, North Carolina, visiting Mr. Charles Sheffield. Charles, how are you? Very good, thank you. Uh, you have 36 holes here, is that correct? Correct. Tell us about this golf course. So, Northridge Country Club was built in the late 60s. Uh, original golf course was built by George Cobb, the, and then they added nine holes onto the 18 holes, so we have Gene, so we have 18 Gene Ham and 18 George Cobb, but they were mixed together where we've got basically nine on each side. Um, since then, we have actually renovated one of the golf courses, the Oaks course. Uh, Chris Pence came in and did that a, a few years ago, and the other golf course was uh, redesigned or redone by John LaFoy over the past 15 or 20 years. Pretty big, big names and renovation, you know, when it gets down to it. So. Absolutely. What kind of grass are we dealing with here? Uh, all the greens, all 40 of them are G12 Ultra Dwarf Bermuda, or Champions New Ultra Dwarf. Popular in this area. We're going to get your take on that here in a minute. We just left Hazen Tree, and Matt Taylor deals with the same, same grass type, so we'll ask you about that here in a minute. All right, so where are you from originally? Uh, so I was born in Moore County in Pinehurst. Okay. Um, we moved from there to Boys Creek, where Campbell University is at, and then we moved from Boys Creek to Wake Forest, uh, the town of Wake Forest, which is where the university used to be, uh, just outside of Raleigh. Gotcha. And so looking at the NC State flag behind you, I assume you went to NC State? I did go to State. Did the turf program there? I did the turf program for two years, yes. Gotcha. Uh How'd that go? You enjoy your time there? Good, good. I had a t- t- two really good years there, probably too good if you ask uh, some people. But uh, uh, NC State's got a big part in my life and uh, certainly uh, has played a big part in my success in, in, as a superintendent. So, Charles, where did, where did you go from there? After you left NC State, where did, what was your path? So, from there I left and I went down for – so, after – after we got done with um, state, I moved down to Goldsboro. I went to Wayne Community College for a year and finished up some electives I had. I worked for Lewis Clark at Walnut Creek. Um, so I worked for him for probably a year, year and a half. And then I moved back to Wake Forest and worked here at Northridge again as an, a second assistant. And then from there, I went down and worked for Mark Price at Woodlake, which is just outside of Pinehurst. And then from there, I went and worked for Joel Poole, which owned Bayonet at Puppy Creek in Rayford. Um, and then I went to Crowsdale. So I was at Crowsdale for 17 years. So I, at 28 years old, I went to Crowsdale 
And then uh, from there, I came here. So I've been here four and a half years, a little over four and a half years. So just getting back to Northridge itself, for mm-hmm. the listeners that aren't totally familiar with the property, describe its, its uh, private number of members. Describe the club itself, if you don't mind, just a couple of sentences. So it is private. Um, we have around 1,100 members. We have, give or take, about 850 full what you would call golfing members. And then there's a mix of memberships, sports memberships, social memberships, and stuff like that. We have some senior limited members, but basically a total of about 1,100 members. Good size. How, how many rounds a year are you doing? We're doing, I think last year we did around 56,000 for two golf courses. Wow. Has that gone up since COVID started? It has. Yeah. It has. It's. It's. Uh, I think everybody can echo that throughout the golf industry. That right. Um, we we certainly have gotten really really busy. Did COVID it, helped spike some numbers. How is it? Has it maintained that level of participation, or is it dwindled some? How would you describe it? Uh, based on the numbers we had last month in our golf committee, it's come down a little bit in the last few months. So it's slowed just a little bit. I think as everybody obviously goes back to their offices and. Yeah. returns to kind of a normal pace that's certainly gone down uh, we have a lot of people that still use the club to work from here versus before covid somebody may have an office space and because uh you've got wi-fi food and beverage we see a lot of members spending almost the entire day here working so that's also increased so you got these guys that come in and you know they'll play golf you know they'll work in the morning and they'll go play golf in the afternoon and then go home and so uh, we have certainly seen a big change in that dynamic for the club. Is there anything that you – obviously when COVID happened and we weren't touching flag sticks and no bunker rakes out there, is there anything that didn't come back on the golf course? Anything that stayed permanent? Um, common sense. I hear you. <laughs> it, it didn't come back? <laughs> no, in some cases. I I, I think I think we got used to uh, – I know we from, from the – the maintenance and got used to the positives of it um but still getting back in that routine of raking raking the bunker and not having a rake in there and even moving the rakes and putting them where you should and yeah. things like that think you know i think over time we're starting to, to gain traction on that and um you know the the biggest thing for us was if as superintendents is probably the single person carts you know where we had four yeah four go out and they all took carts and you know getting back to the normal double and carts has been a struggle struggle yeah grind. yeah yeah i know uh and and without um any knowledge it's just it's hard to enforce the i'm saying that well, you, you gotta have your golf shop do it for you well right. you know again that's where you work together and i th- it's definitely starting to get back to normal you don't see that much now but in that transition of let's just say six eight months you know that's where it really you know it's just like it's constant communication to try to say okay this is a positive getting back to normal for a lot of reasons and if somebody felt sick or they didn't you know they didn't feel comfortable doing it then so be it yeah. take your own car Definitely, I've seen clubs that where you can, they have the option you can pay more to continue doing the single rider thing. Some people can't give it up, you know. Interesting. Yeah, but I would think you guys, wear and tear, wouldn't be a fan of it. Well, as many rounds as we do, we we really do put a lot of wear on golf yeah. carts. When well, we we have a lot of lot of folks at walk, but the golf carts certainly take the brunt of it. So thirty six holes, 
before Campbell starts asking about the grasses, how, how many mem- guys on staff, guys and girls? Right. Uh, currently, we have about 42 on staff. Here in the maintenance facility? Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I would think that number, how's that number? High, low? Okay. It's probably about average. Uh, we're still a little low on our full-time staff. We've got uh, H2B guys in right now. We have 10 of them. Okay. Um, we we petitioned for for 16 visas this year, and because we got delayed a little bit, we weren't able to get but uh, 10 of them in this year. So uh, those guys make up the bulk of the summer, you know, labor work. And a lot of these guys are not labor. You know, they're coming in mowing fairways, running tractors and projects. So when they show up, it it puts a smile on everybody's face down here. I, I bet. I bet. One question that I've been asking is what. With regard to Northridge, what makes this a unique property? I think some of your setup in talking about the different designers and the, those types of things maybe set it apart. But as you look at it, what makes this a unique property? What makes it special? Well, I think it number one is in North Raleigh. Um, it's certainly in in between the inner belt line and the outer belt line, and all falls in use road. Uh, you couldn't center it in a better spot as far as uh, being a private club. You know, this club has a lot of rolling hills. It's got a lot of tree-lined fairways. Um, it, this club is this club's membership is driven by you know the family aspect of a member. So we have a lot of families. We're not putting on one member. You know, we're putting on a member, but he's got three dependents and a wife, or you know. So um, you know, this fam this club is really driven by that. You know, we have a huge pool. You know, pickleball, tennis, everything's busy. Camps here, um, so I think that's what makes this club the unique, the most unique of of any in Raleigh. Is they just really drive for that to be the uh, the the number one thing that the club stands for. Outstanding pickleball, man, it's a popular thing right now. Did yes. did y'all just add courts? I mean, we recently? did, we did. I think we added twelve. Wow, you went all in. They did. They put a bunch of them up there. Yeah, and I'm sure they get used, don't they? They're very. It's very busy. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's the fastest growing sport right now. Is what I've heard in America. So, um, let's talk about the grasses here. You said you got the G12. Mm-hmm. You enjoying that? Yeah, it's 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 definitely a new challenge. Um, the ultra dwarfs are. Uh, you know, you certainly you're certainly spending a lot more time grooming them and getting them where you want. I think you can achieve more with just a. You know, we we can go from a, a club championship speed to a, a you know a tournament that doesn't demand high speed, and it allows us to kind of manage the grass versus we, you know, we're on defense in the right. summer, like most people say. Uh, and I think to each his own. I think I, I came off of bent grass. I came to Ultradorf. You know, they both have their challenges for sure. And I think every club's probably a little different on what they you know what they need. If you're doing low rounds and you you know you're north or west of here you know maybe you get away f- with bent grass but yeah uh, i've enjoyed the challenge it's been it's been uh it's been a lot of fun with the ultra dwarfs and having that ability to kind of uh learn and play with it and and really challenge the green speeds and the membership really our membership love it they're super happy with it as long as they're happy you're happy right that's right yeah. pretty standard question we've been asking and the listeners get curious about is what do you enjoy most about your job and maybe what do you enjoy least about your job oh well that sounds like an interview question i know <laughs> um well yeah i think the reward of it is 
is being outside, um, giving a product to the membership that they enjoy, um, having a good staff that surround you and seeing them grow as professionals. I think that's big for me. Um, you know, right now, I think the hardest part or the most challenging part right now or the, the part that is probably the, the hardest, if you want to call it a dislike, you can call it a dislike. But I think the staffing and finding people and, you know, I was talking to a superintendent from Wilmington last night. He was like, well, what do, you know, if you got assistant, you know, I'm looking at a guy and, you know, I, and I'm texting him back and he's like, well, I, I, you know, I said, I'm looking at a guy too, <laughs> you know, so uh that that's a challenge for sure right now and i think that's probably I, I don't know if you call it a dislike it's just the biggest challenge that's in front of us and as superintendents you know we're problem solvers so in general that's that's the biggest hurdle right now your father did you ever work for your father i did for for a number of years yes. okay uh butch sheffield correct butch yes sir well i think is now a good time to unveil the special guest might as well. Might as well. Absolutely. Um, we didn't set it up at the beginning, but uh, we do have with us a, a special guest. And Charles, would you like to introduce that special guest? Would love to. But Sheffield, my father, just finishing his uh, his victorious <laughs> round of golf in the the Senior Golf Association event at Northridge Country Club. Handicaps fallen really quick <laughs> since the working days. Dad. Butch, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here with us. Well, thank you for inviting me. So, I guess we can do the same thing with you. You want to tell us how you got into the golf business? Um, I went to uh, Sand Hills Community College, uh, studying their landscape uh, gardening program. And during that period of time, I worked at uh, Country Club of North Carolina part-time, working under uh, Mr. Gordon Dugan, who's the superintendent <clears throat> when I come there. And then Mr. Ed, Ed Demnicki, just a few years, uh, like right as I got out of school, they made a switch, and Mr. Demnicki became the superintendent. Uh, getting out of school, he hired me on as a first assistant, and I uh, worked there about three years, and Keith Hills down at Campbell University come open, and they thought that was a good fit for me, so I went to Bowie's Creek, uh, worked there and uh, for 14 years, and then in 1986, uh, Northridge was looking for a superintendent, and I was looking at the same time. I was looking to make a move. I'd been at 18 holes, and you know, so it was time to move on. And so we worked out a, a good arrangement. And so I was here from '86 to 2018. Man, congratulations! Yeah, thank you. Always 36 holes while you're here. Always 36, yes. And you, that was a good challenge for you. You enjoyed that. It was a more than a good challenge. Yes, <laughs> there was some challenge. Yes. Now. I hate to be blunt here, okay? Yes. But you're very well respected. I, I mentioned to some people here and there, I'm going to interview the Sheffields, and they're like, oh, they're the best. They're the best, both of you. Uh, why, why are you such a living legend? Just be, be honest. I think, if anything, I was always worked with the association, worked hard to improve the education part of our association, and whether it was our triangle or our Turfgrass Council of North Carolina or the Carolinas uh, uh, Golf Course Superintendents Association. And uh, so, um, matter of fact, I was brought on the board of the Carolinas to help with their education because I was in charge of TCNC back in the glory days. And that's what my responsibility was with TCNC. Okay. I was, but anyway, so I think that was a lot. And uh, 
And I think one thing, I never cared who you were. You could work at a, be at a $100,000 budget golf course. And if you call me before the end of the day, I'm going to call you back. It didn't matter. Right. And if a guy down the road over here in eastern North Carolina or wherever needed <clears throat> help, if I need to go, I'd get in the truck and ride down. And so, you know, I sort of remember my roots where I come from because yeah. Keith Hills was not <laughs> – Campbell University didn't spend a lot of money. <laughs> but they had to get a purchase order to buy a spark plug, if that tells you anything. Did you really? Oh, yes. Wow. Yeah, they were tight. So anyway, so I always remembered that. And um, I tried to, you know, continue to educate myself and push other people to educate themselves the same way when we brought assistance aboard. I mean, they were going to the meetings and we're going to get education. And, and I think that I think that's it more than anything else. I've just always just a common golf course superintendent. That was it. I didn't try to be no more than that. It, it sounds to me like professionalism was always something that was at the top of your mind. Is that fair to say? That's fair to say. When when you seen Butch, I feel whether it was at a meeting or the grocery store or wherever, I was always the same. I, I believe that was our you know we had to project that image. And at that time, if y'all, well, y'all pretty young, but in the 80s, early 80s, even when I first went to work with, uh, in 70s with Mr. Dimnicki, you know, you know, the superintendent wasn't that high on the totem pole at clubs. I right. mean, um, and so therefore, Mr. Dimnicki was great about that. That was one thing he pushed to when I worked for him. You know, present yourself. If you got a meeting, I'm not going to no meeting with no dirty shoes. I'd come, I always carried an extra set of clothes right in that closet, and I've changed many a time. Whether that meeting's a 10-minute meeting, uh, a Greens Committee for an hour or so, I always changed clothes, fixed up, and presented myself in a, in a professional manner. i got to ask Charles, are you doing, can we look in that closet? Do you have a change of clothes? Oh, don't look in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Skeletons in that closet, Alan. What's in there? Must be. So a lot of times when people want to get in the golf industry, people say don't do it. So you you got to be proud of Charles where he is now, and there's a, a point where you ever said, "Son, don't do it." I told him that to start with <laughs> before he went to college. Uh, but you know he was determined, and Charles was always you know he was you know pilling with stuff, and so we, I knew he'd make it. And 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 he's fortunate; he followed a very good career path. He didn't mention he not only worked for Lewis Clark, which back in the '80s was one of the top superintendents in North Carolina. He also worked with, uh, went up and worked with Steve Sheets yeah. up in the mountains, up at the Linville Ridge. Wow. You know, we, we, he, he got a lot of exposure and he liked it. And uh, so, yeah, once you're in it, you're in it. So, and, he, <laughs> and he's put the time in. Yep. And Charles, at what point did you decide to, obviously when you chose maybe to go to NC State and their agronomy department and those things, but at what point did you decide to follow in your dad's footsteps? Well, I'll tell you, I, uh, I, Dad got me. He also got me into the fire department, and when when I was sixteen, as he would tell you, he created the junior fire program to keep me out of trouble in Lake Forest. That's not a lie. Nope. Anybody knows me well, at that age would have agreed with that statement. Um, so for a while there, when I was at state, and you know, when I was in before I was twenty one, I, I, I struggled with deciding which one of those I wanted to do because I lo- I really loved the fire department but over time I felt like I, this is really where I wanted to be and I wanted to be outside and you know I, you know just getting to know guys you know Steve Sheets and Lewis Clark and Mark Price and all these guys I worked for you know they got you know they got in my path a lot of the guys I worked with here 
through those years really guided my path to you know we've had a lot of really good superintendents that have come through here that's worked for for dad and I, i've been fortunate i think i can't tell you when that time became but when you start getting the responsibility of a budget and spending money you know you 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 know you, you kind of you can kind of put your vision on things a little bit i guess and how you want to operate and manage your operation so um you know when you think about um but sheffield a lot one of the top things that comes to mind is the number of superintendents that you've placed in various uh facilities around particularly around the raleigh area you know and and it sounds like charles you know europe bringing through your career path was heavily influenced just by really good superintendents and mentoring and some of those things my question is uh butch do you do you know how many superintendents that you've you know mentored uh, that worked under you that had gone on to be uh, managers of their own properties um yeah we figured that out one time we would a couple of us a couple of the guys uh I think it's somewhere in the low 20s, like 23, 24 different uh, uh, people went from here into superintendent's positions. And, you know, back then, you know, the golf was booming in the early 80s, you know, even into the early 90s. And so we were turning assistants over every three years. I mean, if I was a club, have a job position open within 100 miles a year, most of the time we would fill the position. And uh, and so it was good. But and then, you know, we got into that slowdown. And, it's tough now. I, I, I really feel for the young guys now, you know, because they put in their time, they work hard, and it's just tough to find a job because there's no jobs available. You know, there's no jobs available. And, and, and in all honesty, sometimes we can pay more than what some of the jobs are available that's open uh, because we got to just because of where we're located at here in Raleigh or where they're located at. Now, when you said, Charles, you said Moore County earlier. The Pinehurst area, correct? Mm -hmm. That's where you were born? Yes. Were you already superintendent then? I was in the system. Okay. And where was that at? I was at the Country Club, North Carolina. Okay, so that's when that time period, okay. Yep. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, what's some things you've seen change during your tenure from from the Country Club, North Carolina days to 2018? And even with what you're seeing Charles yeah. faced with today. I mean, you know, you've, you've had a long career, so... I think labor-wise, I think we're still about in the same situation. It was hard back in the, because uh, I know it was at CCNC, that was our biggest, biggest, hardest challenge was labor. Okay. Because we did everything by hand, and so we had like 35 people on 27 holes at one time. I mean, that, but everything was done by hand, so, and uh, I think labor is still a hard issue. I think that uh, the improvements, of course, has been the chemicals that you have to work with today. I mean, I hate to even tell you the stuff. I mean, that stuff glow in the night. Right. We used to spray back in the seventies, <laughs> late sixties and seventies. I can't, you know, just it was unbelievable. Mm. And I look back, and uh, I'm just uh, thankful uh, that I didn't get contaminated with right. a lot of it. But uh, but the chemicals have improved greatly, and I think that's a big improvement. And of course, equipment has has greatly improved from what we had back. Uh, because when I would say CCNC and Keith Hills, I mowed fairways with a seven-game park master, and I mowed rough with a seven-game park master. Did you really? And, you know, that was it. And I had, you know, and approach moors and greens moors. But basically, up to you got into, Lord, man, really just uh, maybe 20 years ago. That's pretty much was standard. Or you had a five-game real unit, and and you fought that old Bermuda grass all summer. And, but anyway, it's a, 
but the equipment they have today I think has gotten a, a lot better in helping out uh, golf courses, uh, particularly on Bermuda grass. There are rotary mowers that John Deere and different companies and Toro uh, have out today. Yeah, no doubt the equipment and the chemicals have made big yeah. strides. How, how would you have? How would you have managed the modern day employee where they have a phone in their pocket and maybe they're looking at it under a tree on a break or something? I mean, how, you know, you 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 saw that evolution. Was that? I mean, how did? What are your what are your thoughts on things like that? Uh, I'm glad I don't have to do that. Um, anyone that knows me, I believed in work. I was here from 5:30 in the morning to 5 o'clock in the afternoon, as a general rule goes. Uh, I was on the course. Um, I, that's how I was taught to do it, and so that's how I, that's how I done it, because that's the way we were basically taught. You oversee stuff and get it down. I guess it's just something you accept, but still, it, it would be tough. It'd be tough um, to accept that coming from old school, and I'm definitely was old school I was you know fair you know but same token uh, you know if we had an X amount of work to do that day uh, I expect it to be done it's sort of like I always told my assistants we met in this office every morning every morning and, and we'd always talk about it you know our responsibility as supervisors is maximum efficiency every day that's that's what we're hired to do really if you get right me and my two assistants or two superintendents we made them later on that's our really our responsibility for our staffing goes is to get maximum efficiency out of out of the staff because we didn't have many uh, uh, there was I come here we had 17 people Wow that was it full-time 17 that 36 was, holes 36 holes that was it and uh, we finally increased it to uh, somewhere is usually between 26 and 32 just like Charles just said, the issue was not having the people. The issue was hiring enough people to do it. Right. Because, again, we're in North Raleigh. Wages are high. And so the person has to live 30 miles out to mm -hmm. be able to afford to be able to, yeah. to work here. And so it's tough. It's, uh, it's always been tough. Man. Are you a Carolinas? Are you a past president by chance? Yes. I was okay. the uh, president of Carolinas in 1988, past president. Talk to me about that. How was your time serving? It was great. It was great. Really was. Like I said, I, I was coming in. I was asked about to come in uh, because the Carolinas, uh, uh, at, we were they were struggling with their education the program and some stuff. Not struggling, and so we come in and set the program. And the very best thing I did, and I was involved with, we hired Chuck Bowman. I hear you. As executive director, if you don't know the truth, I put all my right there. It was it. it was hired was being on the board and, and hiring Chuck as, yeah. as, as president. And and then, well, I was president, so we would, you know, ride around. And we finally, you know, Myrtle Beach. We looked at that, and we knew we'd found the gold mine. I hear you. And that was we knew we had hit the right ticket, and we moved that thing to to uh, the convention center there in Myrtle Beach. And and it's and but uh, of course Chuck again is is the driving force and. And, uh, I've had Turner Rebels tell me about the original spot in Myrtle Beach so the sea them would get lower as they went to the back. Oh, Lord, I can tell you about the flood, yeah. the tent. Uh, the, uh, it's, I started, we first started, the, well, I was first started going to the Carolinas. We'd have it at Clemson at the Holiday Inn, if you don't remember. And the guys would always throw and die in the pool or something. And very, very small right. facilities. But, uh, but, you know, Chuck and the rest of the presidents and the boards did a fantastic job growing the Carolinas into what it is today. Yeah. So you mentioned the hiring of Chuck Borman and selecting the location in Myrtle Beach is probably two of your big achievements and proud yeah. moments as, while you were serving on the board. That's right. As a golf course superintendent, what 
can you look back and reflect on what might have been one or two of your career highlights or proud moments that you that you really remember fondly? Well, I guess the proudest moment was the day I turned my keys over to Charles. I bet so. I bet so. <laughs> and that was one of my proudest. Because uh, I'll just say he had a tough road. He had the toughest of all. I mean, they beat on him left and right. I mean, it was he had it tough, and but he did get it, and that was good. And I think the proudest thing, and just again, you go back to the uh, assistants I've had, and I can't stop. I don't want to start mentioning because I know I'll forget some of them. I do have a well. That's what my plaque's gone. I do have a plaque so with all of <laughs> name on it oh, that they awesome. gave me uh, a few years back. But anyway, and uh, just seeing them go out and accomplish what they've become, head superintendents, you know, get good jobs and and be very successful in life, successful in their family life also. Um, and I think that's the most important thing, to be honest with you, was just seeing them succeed because, you know, really as a superintendent, that's what we hear. We're here to teach, you know, we're here to teach, and as much as anything, you know, you, uh, and so then for them to take that and take it to their job uh, and then succeed at that, and, and uh, it is, I think that's the most, you know, them two things to be the most important. Yeah. That's Pretty special, man. Pretty special. I'll flip the I'll flip the script and ask Charles. Charles, as you looked at your father's distinguished career, what would, as you saw it from son's eyes or, you know, someone who's learning from him, what what do you really remember about your dad's career and the things that you really looked up to? Well, anybody, including me, that you ask, is dedication to being a superintendent, but also echoing what was good for us superintendents. As, as I tell my guys, you got to have somebody in front of you to make the next job better, you know. And he's one of the guys, along with hundreds, thousands across the country, that have driven this to be a much better career and a profession, and something that, um, you know, it's like he said when he first started, and you know, we looked at it a little bit differently. I think guys like this are admired because they've pushed that envelope, and that's anywhere in the United States in a lot of cases, but here locally, I mean, he would be one of those that has helped that. Um, it's kind of like Tiger driving golf, you know? Yeah. He, you know, Palmer and Nicholas and Tiger, and he's 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 driven the superintendents through the years along with, you know, a few others that have made it good for us. And the neatest thing is like coming up, looking back, and, you know, I got to meet a lot of these people involved in the Carolinas, I still know today, you know, past presidents and people involved in the Superintendents Association. And, you know, it's 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 been pretty awesome. I mean, for years when I first got started, Dad used to take me down and play in the, the winter event with the Carolinas. And, you know, you, you know, just got to know a lot of people that way. And uh, so it's been, it's, you know, it, it has it has opened a lot of our eyes on how we need to be a superintendent. And I would say one of the things he's known for the most is picking up the phone and calling you back. All right, I got a question, Charles. As a son and father relationship, at what point did you concede he's he's right? He is right. Uh, what he's been telling you and trying to beat it in your mind, you finally clicked. When did it click? Oh man. You know, being here is so much different following your dad and seeing the things that he has done here over the years with limited resources and 
you know, he's told me so many things, and as I'm here longer, I realize how valuable that's been to me and Northridge. Mm-hmm. Not, you know, for the club in general, you know, just the things that he's he stepped up and has showed me. I mean, he showed a lot of us. There's a ton of us out there that have worked for him. Right. But being here and seeing it has been, you know, an eye-opener for me because he tells me stuff all the time. In fact, he, you know, he told me the first like month I was here, he said, you get two years to blame me, and after that, it's all yours. <laughs> I said, done. So, but I still get him, and I write him. I say, you know, what, what are we doing here? What were you thinking here? Where, where was this going? And, you know, he can remember most of it. He knows where every sewer cover is. And, but, uh, he's still a resource. He's a resource. Uh, he's great. Uh, you know, and, and it, it's been a unique experience from that end for sure. A couple things, man, that I just that, I, that I've got to comment on. Okay. You, you guys really do seem to have a great bond as father and son. It's really great to see. There's there's probably not um, that many examples currently in the United States or maybe in the world where a, a son has followed uh, has followed his father's footsteps in this profession. So it's and it's same, absolutely same facility at the it? same facility. Yeah. You know it, exactly, and uh, it's really it's really neat to see. As I reflect back on some of your comments earlier about your dad, I think the legacy out of that is is if you go around uh, the triangle at least all of the superintendents that worked under you butch all carry themselves I feel like it with that same level of professionalism right. and I think that that's I think that's really what you passed on to the next generation of superintendents yourself included Charles is just to maintain and carry yourself with a level of professionalism so kudos thank you all right so I'm gonna give you both opportunity Starting with Butch, what's a piece of advice you give a young up-and-coming superintendent? Mm. Depends on what the subject is. Okay. Uh, more than anything else, but uh, I think the you know young superintendent just getting in his first job, you know, he, he's I think he's really first got to, he's just really got to burn burn the candles at both ends. Yeah. Uh, you've got to learn that golf course, and you got a, a very short the amount of time to do it in and uh, and you've got to trust of course the, the people that uh, that's there and hopefully you don't have to make a, a wholesale change in personnel which is the most of the time we're, we're faced with that yeah um, I started here by the end of the year we were basically only had three people left I mean it just it had to be done that's right. what I was you know and so that has to be done in a lot of cases. A lot of cases it don't, but um, it's hard. You know, but I, I think that's the biggest thing is, uh, and it is trust your instincts. You know, too, in making decisions. You yeah. just gotta you know, trust your instincts on what you're going to do, whether it's spraying for weeds or or dealing with the personnel or or whatever, and uh, and trust your instincts. And you know, you most of the time you've worked for a superintendent, and you know if you've and you know what to do, so you just have to follow that instinct and, and sort of follow along with that one. That's probably about the, the best thing to tell them. It's, like I say, it just depends on the situation. That, uh, I'll just give you an interesting story. When I was at Campbell University, I was 25, maybe 24, when I was superintendent down there, when I was first superintendent. And, and the president of the club was president, I'm sorry, the club, but the university, Mr. Wick, Dr. Wiggins, you know, I had a question and I asked him, it wasn't a hard question, but we were talking. He turns around, looks at me, and he says, it's all yours. He says, that's what we hired you for. You make the decision, and we'll back you 100% on every decision you make. Man. He said, but it's yours. He says, nobody else. He said, 
you were hired to make these decisions. And uh, so I think from that, Bill of Not was very helpful because then, you know, we could make the decision and follow through and didn't really worry about it anymore. Whether I made the right decision or wrong decision, which I made my share of wrong decisions, I told that one, the ones that have been real successful, we've killed more grass than anybody else has. <laughs> but we'll try anything. Good way to learn. Yeah, it's a good uh, way to learn. You'll try. I mean, you'll try. I mean, again, I go back into the 70s and 80s. I mean, some of those chemicals, <laughs> my Lord, I forgot which one it was. We just scorched the greens with it. To, you know, the company said that was a good, but that was not the, not, the, not the case. And, of course, our equipment was, I mean, you know, we, we're talking about a Cushman with a spray tank on the back of right. it. And, and we did our best to calibrate everything. But if you've ever run one of them and tried to keep it running three miles per hour or something, it was hard. I bet. Yeah, I, so I never have, but I bet it is not. Oh, it was a challenge. It was a challenge. Uh, before I ask Charles the same question about a piece of advice, how long did it take you to learn to sleep in once you retired? You it was. Uh, <laughs> it was a good year. Yeah, I'd wake up every morning uh, still thinking about the golf course for three months at least. Right. And then it, it faded away, and the more golf I played, and the more I did other things, it finally went away. And now I don't. I don't think about it. If I see something, I'll tell Charles, and that's it. Don't worry about it no more. So you remember here, you play here? Yes, I am. Okay. I was very, very fortunate when I retired. Uh, the club actually gave me a full membership. Uh, it set up that, uh, you know. I, I don't think they wanted you to leave either. So keep, some of them, keep yeah. you around. <laughs> oh, like, like Charles said, I do know where everything is buried at. <laughs> that's true. So, Charles, uh, same question about the, about the piece of advice. I think each person coming out of school needs to fi find the right fit for them job-wise. I don't think one size fits all. Um, there's a lot of people that, that it seems like we, we have guys that are indecisive, which is fine too. I was at that age, but you got to find the right fit for you. I was fortunate to work at a good mix of clubs that benefited me from a lot of different angles that uh, I think kind of steered my career um, and if you're coming out of school find what fits you professionally but also what's going to push you to be a superintendent and the best way that you can learn you know it may not be Northridge for somebody you know this it's not one size fits all when I hire someone they need to be as good a fit as we are for them yeah and I tell everybody we, we interview that and that's not always the case uh, we just had an assistant leave that was you know, he just had a passion for athletic fields, and he tried it for a year, and, you know, we hated to see him go, but I, I understood it. You know, he, he needed to, you know, find his path. Uh, but a lot of times guys are indecisive about stuff, and they move in different directions, and sometimes that can have an impact on your career. If you look at a resume in five years, and the, the superintendent or, or the athletic director or whoever sees you have five jobs in five years, you know, yeah, it's it's not. Well, a earlier store. you had you list, listed off a bunch of places earlier. I did, and and then you said you spent seventeen years somewhere. And I was like, he doesn't look old enough to be at all those places and somewhere else for seventeen years. So, yeah. Um, when you worked at any of those places, they all hey call your dad, ask him about this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I always called him about just about anything for all those years. Uh, it was a critical when I was at Crowsdale when I was on my own. It was my budget, my renovation project. Yeah. Um, and that was a 
huge resource for me, including all the other folks I worked for too. But obviously, he was, you know, forty-five minutes from me. Um, so, can we ask a few personal questions? Absolutely. Nothing crazy, but Charles, we'll start with you. What, when you're away from the golf course, what do you enjoy doing with your time? Uh, I love the I love the saltwater fish, and I love to uh, I do play golf and much like Dad, when I left Crowsdale, they offered me a, a nice membership deal over there to and uh, to be able to, to play golf. So I'm actually a member over there and I enjoy playing golf as much as I do. Do y'all play any till there's member guests? Do you go there and see come here? We don't. We're too tight on the dollar to do that. <laughs> no, no, no. That's a social event, man. <laughs> We're not so, social event kind of people. We just golf and go home kind That's of people. Right. Eat That's some right. barbecue. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. And Butch, what about you? What do you how are you spending your time these days? I play golf. Uh, I, again, just like Charles just said, saltwater fishing. Uh, we do quite a bit of that. We've just got our boat all set up with electronics and a U trolling motor, so we're ready to catch some flounder. Uh, going to the beach, uh, we, we have a place, so we go to the beach. Uh, and then I really enjoy and still do working in my yard uh, right down to the last details you might expect. And uh, so I enjoy that, and, and my wife, myself, we travel. We we take a couple, at least two long trips, for a week or more, uh, a year. And uh, so that's you know that's that's pretty much it. And are are you aerifying your yard? I mean, are we doing chemicals and fertilizer <laughs> and fungicides, herbicides, everything? Oh well, no aerification. My yard, Wake County, is is a reason why they have all these gravel pits around it. <laughs> so my yard is a perfect example of that. So no, we don't put no air fire in my yard. Uh, uh, but uh, other stuff, oh yeah, yeah, I still. Okay. The, the, the guys over at Site One or whatever, yeah, do have close contacts there. So go over and get the U.S. and latest. I hear you. A little, a little bit more on your retirement. When you say your wife and uh, yourself are traveling some, where, do you have any goals where you'd like to go see? Any? Yes. Are you going overseas? Any? What's what's your travel looking like? Well, the I have been to uh, Scotland for a week and played golf. Went to Ireland for a week and played golf. Uh, so got those two out of the way and, and actually would have went back <coughs> last year if it hadn't been for COVID. Then our, everything sort of got a year before last I'm sorry everything got canceled uh, and then now I think the big thing is we're looking to uh, yeah, take a trip to Alaska uh, love to do that and then I'm looking at uh, possibly uh, maybe going to Iceland and then uh, not quite sure of Europe yeah, yeah we're, we're sort of planning maybe two or three years out and uh, each of going somewhere is different man going you're adventurous in your retirement oh yeah I like to see things and do things oh yeah I, I go to places I'm you know do you, I'm usually the only old man <laughs> I'm usually the old man all the old man in the group has got there doing this doing that not told him I said I'm here I said why not why don't you have you ever pedaled one of those you've seen that little pedal bar down downtown Raleigh you know yeah, the, 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 yeah the 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 the, uh, the trolley trolley pub, yeah. pub trolley or whatever you, would you do that how adventurous are you where you drive yourself around town while you're drinking on, <laughs> on a bike? Oh no, 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 no! no, no. no. It, it's it's hard enough to just drink a little on. I'm pretty much a teetotaler. I hate to say. I hear you. No, nothing wrong with that at all. So. Nothing wrong with it. Yeah. Uh, Charles, what was the first car you drove? Uh, Ford Mustang. That's right. That's two there. today. Okay, so that was the black Mustang was from earlier. Yeah. Man, what color was yours? Uh, navy blue. 
What year was it? 88. Nice. Nice. Uh, Mr. Sheffield, what was the first car you drove? 57 Chevrolet. Man, y'all are fancy over here. Oh, yeah. Don't still have either one of those, do you? Nope. Okay. I sure wish I did. Yeah, I bet you do. <laughs> I bet you do. So, I think, Charles, we got to ask some Simplot questions, right? Yeah. I mean, we can put them on the spot for one or two. Nothing, yeah. nothing crazy. What's your favorite Simplot product? Or what's your go-to, let's say? Um, you know, they're phosphite we use a lot in our greens program. We bought 250-gallon totes. Uh, they're iron, extreme greens, good. Um, you know, most of our liquids that we spray with our Primo we've used, they're very good. And then um, pretty much the other, you know, wholesale fungicides and stuff like that. Yeah. Their Galaxy, their slow-release Galaxy is... Uh, granular product they that we have blended with in the beginning of the year and that's really really good product uh, we might not be able to afford it next year but it's a good product <laughs> I mean that's not y'all's fault no it's, <laughs> you can't control fertilizer prices uh, you're right it's it's they're they're pretty high nowadays but good they they it's uh Simplot's uh Kevin especially he's been he's been the driving force behind coming in here and and, and putting some products in front of us that uh, have been really a good fit for for Northridge. Good, Kevin's been working it today. Kevin, yeah, he he's has. doing phone calls. He's over he's there on the iPad right knows. now. Yeah. Look at him, quiet observer, but keeping us straight. So, anything we left out, gentlemen, that you'd like to say? Well, I'd like to ask Butch, just yeah. you know, as a parting shot, Butch, what what do you think are the one or two, three things that were the key to your success? I think that we probably addressed some of them during this conversation, but if you had to sum it up, what do you think were the keys to your success and your longevity? Um, I think, you know, number one key, of course, is, is the family life. Uh, have a great wife. Very supportive. Always was from the day I started. I mean, uh, I was in the construction at CCNC building the Cardinal course. Went to Keith Hills. We were in construction building Keith Hills. I come up here within three to four years we renovated both golf courses so and you know the time that that takes and a wife's got to be understanding i mean you're not going to be home at five o'clock four o'clock you're going to be dragged home by as the sun setting right as i told somebody i always knew when summer ended because i not listening to uh 101.5 wrlu's at six o'clock i knew that's when summer was over i had i got there before that was over but i think that's that's one of the keys is having a very supportive wife and family uh my son and my daughter both in the early years because i did spend probably more time a lot of time away from home uh, and hiring good people i think as my as assistants and later on we, we moved them up as superintendents i think was very good uh i mean i just got through having uh uh, Andy McCahan over at Crowsdale and uh, Craig Hooks, who was up at Heritage. Craig, not Craig Hooks. Um, Joe, I'm sorry, Joe York. Joe yeah. York, uh, just fantastic uh, uh, superintendents. And prior to them, you know, had some more that was good. I mean, just, but, uh, I mean, this was just the caliber of people that we had. And it, it just makes your job a lot easier when you can go off and depend on them. Um, I, I think that was the key, is just trying to hire very very best uh people we could and and, and them taking over uh, the club too i mean you got to work for a club that's supportive i think that's a key to it um and again it's like i, I mentioned i'd go about it keith hill dr wiggins says it's all yours when 
I walked in the door at um, up here at Northridge. I was in a meeting with the president of the club, General Manor. We all had a was getting together. We standing outside, matter of fact, and never forget him. I was sitting here talking about Greens Committee Chairman, which at that time was Jim Howard, who was past president of the USGA, and our president of the club, and we was talking about this. And, and I said, okay, I said, um, we're talking about responsibility. And, then, and, um, and Mr. Howard just turns around and says, everything outside that building is yours. He says, you make the decisions, they're yours. He said, that's, that's all the discussion we need to have about that. And, uh, and, and that was it. You know, we, um, and I think that's very important. And I know Charles has the same relationship now with our, his Greens Committee Chairman, his president. And I think that's where Northridge, I think, is unique. Uh, you know, as I looked over the years, I was offered plenty of what you call high profile jobs. But what I, I turned most of them down because of the man that I was usually talking to, which usually was the owner of the president, you could tell <laughs> he was going to call the shots. You, you were basically just going to be doing what he wanted done. Yeah. You could tell it. I mean, I'm talking about some very high-end clubs in, in the country. And you could tell that, that that's, you, you know, and that, I didn't think I was a good fit for that position. You valued your peace of mind. I valued my peace of mind. Yeah. I don't want to be worrying about, you know, I, I never worried here, you know, the membership questioning what I did, even though they did. And plenty of members, you have those issues. But, um <laughs> But they were very few and far between over the years. How about golf advice while we got you? Since you did win today, any swing tips or anything for the? The more you play, the better you will get. I hear you. I hear <laughs> you. That's, That's a fact. That, that going out there playing the superintendent, I maybe played once every two weeks, once a month during the summer, maybe not at all. Right. So Chap local you know, chapter events, stuff especially like that. yeah, you know, bent grass back then from June to October. You know, you were babysitting those, especially forty greens. But anyway, yeah, it's uh. The more you play, it's a, the, you do get a little bit better. I've got friends that took up the game during COVID, and they're like, man, I'm just not making the turn. I'm like, you got to live on that driving range, man. You've got you've to play, yeah. put in the hours. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, thank you. This has been incredible. This has been a treat. This has been awesome. Charles, be any, any parting words for the listeners? Just None. Thank you for your time. Thank you for coming. Thank you for listening to Pullin' Weeds, brought to you by Simplot. Please follow us on Facebook at Pullin' Weeds Podcast. Keep up with all your association news and events at carolinasgcsa.org.